Thank you, Linda. Well, good morning, church family. If we've not met before, my name's Anil, and I'm the associate minister here. Um, a, a slight uh, unscripted start, but um, we just watched a video, didn't we, from Norman Molina, a brother out uh, in Honduras, a video that uh, Tear Fund uh, uh, interviewed and, and sent across to us. Uh, Tear Fund actually will be coming to preach uh, next week to finish our series. Uh, if I'm honest, the whole creation care thing, I, I'm a bit late to the party on that. I don't know where you're sitting on this. Is this an issue we should care about or not? For me, I, I wasn't too bothered by it. Um, I didn't really care so much about how I lived. I just carried on uh, doing what I do and, and living uh, as well as I could and caring as much as I could. But didn't really have much of a care beyond recycling and, and you know, using the food bin. Uh, for me, my heart was changed significantly uh, end of last year for reading a book by a guy called John Stott. Uh, Rich Scanterbury and our church family recommend I read a book called uh, um, I can't remember, a book about discipleship from, from John Stott, a great book where he talks about this. And then as I was praying, it was people like Norman that really changed my heart. Uh, not that recycling is a good thing to do because, you know, it's a good thing to do, but rather uh, recognizing the choices that I make uh, in this part of the world do have an impact on brothers and sisters and neighbors in other parts of the world. Uh, that's said by way of actually framing where we're heading today. Uh, please bow your heads to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may find it helpful to have your Bible open before you as we look at this on your device or, or physically. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. Uh, brothers and sisters, the, the message uh, I have for us today from God is a really simple one. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. It's a simple message, uh, so for most of my time today, I'm just going to work through this kind of, this diamond of a passage, uh, helping us to catch some of the, the dazzling light that bounces off it, reflected in its many facets. Uh, right at the start, I do want to flash my hazard lights for you, uh, as there could be two things you're thinking immediately after hearing that reading. You might not, but you might be. Uh, firstly, this is a passage where Jesus speaks about God's judgment, and secondly, this is a passage where Jesus speaks about hell. Now, I'm, I'm not going to justify these things. I'm, I'm really going, I'm not going to explain them much in this passage in my talk either. Uh, in fact, I, I think what Jesus says is, is quite clear enough on its own. I just want to flag up that these are here. They're unavoidable. Uh, Jesus regularly talked on these matters. Uh, and we should listen to his words. So with that being said... Uh, this passage in context comes right at the end of Jesus' final sermon to his disciples in Matthew. Uh, this sermon begins in Matthew chapter 24, and the focus of most of Jesus' sermon is on what it will look like, or what will happen when he returns in his glory. We, we call this the parousia in technical Greek speak. Jesus then applies uh, this coming, this parousia, to, to, with three parables uh, aimed at his disciples that describe what the true disciple uh, should look like whilst they await his return. It's kind of a, a restless resting is the picture we get. Uh, and this includes all of us today who call Jesus Lord. Do, do look over this sermon. It's, it's a beautiful thing to read, Matthew 24 onwards. Uh, finally, in our section, uh, Jesus gives an unambiguous and clear window into what his parousia, his, his physical second coming, will be like to some degree. 
And what we see here, particularly for Christians, is both glorious but also sobering. Verse 31. Our Lord Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious thrones. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. He will put his sheep on his right and the goats on his left. If you're thinking that this sounds familiar, that's because it should. This is another little window into that picture we saw last autumn in the Daniel series, in Daniel chapter 7, with with Jesus, the Son of Man, ascending into the clouds and being welcomed into that heavenly courtroom, into the presence of God the Father and and given all authority. Jesus takes his seat on his glorious throne and, and the whole world, all the nations, will be gathered before him. Now, this is everyone who has ever lived from the creation of the world up until whenever that point is, all raised to life, to stand before King Jesus. Uh, The picture here is like looking out on on a field and seeing a huge mix of animals. Uh, From a distance, the the naked eye, it's hard to to distinguish uh, which animal is a sheep uh, and which is a goat. And so a shepherd has to, has to get in among them and, and personally walk through this rowdy herd and sort them out one to the other side. Having sorted through them, King Jesus puts his sheep to his right, a, a position of, of honor and privilege and highest respect. And he puts the goats on his left. So I can imagine the scene. As I stand there at the end of times in the Perusia, uh, looking around at this sea of people, uh, through the crowd I can see my mum and my dad, my brother and my sister. Perhaps uh, my wife is standing next to me with our children. And who knows, maybe some grandchildren might be there too. Uh, I catch a glimpse through the crowd of a smile I recognise and, and I can see the face of a dear friend, a dear brother, Alex, and his wife, Rhoda. Alex died earlier this year. So I look forward to seeing him in that crowd of people. And as I keep looking, I can see all of you who sit before me today. And you can see me too. And then as clear as day, the, together we see King Jesus, the good shepherd, slowly, purposefully making his way through this crowd of people, separating the sheep from the goats, calling his sheep by name to follow him, as John says. Now, you might be hearing this, and you might be wondering, okay, how do I know if I'm a sheep or a goat? The parables that came before this warn us that often uh, goats can often confuse themselves with sheep. Even in this passage, the goats who are condemned call Jesus Lord, which suggests at least some claim to be a follower of Jesus. Wherever you put yourself on the spectrum of faith and discipleship, what Jesus says to us from this passage is that it's not about doing wrong things that matter to him, but instead it's our failure to do right things. I'll say that again. It's not about doing wrong things that matter to Jesus, 
What matters to him is our failure to do right things. Remember, Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. What right things? Uh, Well, Jesus lists six of them. Look down at verse 35. Our Lord and King says to the sheep, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Six marks of everyday discipleship. Six simple things which distinguish a sheep from a goat. Feeding the hungry, quenching the thirsty, accommodating the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, visiting the imprisoned. Six everyday, simple, ordinary, unexceptional things that any one of us can do. Whether you are young or old, whether you have much money or very little, whether you are well-educated or with little education, whether you are middle class or working class or whatever the upper classes are. Six acts of love that distinguish a sheep from a goat. Remember, Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. Uh, Who are these acts of love offered to? Well, strictly speaking, here, these acts of love, these six things, have been done to other followers of Jesus, other Christians. Why do I say that? Well, because Jesus does. Verse 40, Jesus says, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. Jesus reserves the term brothers and sisters only for his disciples and those who follow him. This is also the way that Paul and the New Testament writers use this familial term. Only other believers are considered brothers and sisters. And this makes sense, right? Since we know that only those who trust in Jesus as Lord are part of God's family. And this becomes very important, as we'll see in a minute. Those who are not Christians are called neighbors, as in the passage of the Good Samaritan. Okay, so you might be thinking, all right, uh, does this mean that only my acts of love towards other believers count? Well, as often in the Bible, yes and no. Uh, Yes, because this is what Jesus has said, but no, because this is the same Jesus who gave a clear and unambiguous picture of how to love our neighbors. Again, the Good Samaritan. And as Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, we are told to do good to all. Now, he does then say, especially those who belong to the family of believers, but he still says, do good to all. Remember, Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. Okay, you might be thinking, this is quite a generic list. Do I have to be a Christian to do this stuff? Again, yes and no. No, because this is stuff that anyone could do. In fact, there are many people around the world of all faiths and none, who do amazing acts of kindness, which frankly put me to shame. The world would be a better place if everyone lived this way. But yes, because having said that, only those who trust Jesus as their Lord are called his sheep. I'm sure we could all quote John 3.16. It's a very famous, very personal passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just a few verses later, John goes on to write in verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's belief in Jesus that brings salvation. No amount of good deeds can buy eternal life. And conversely, and we need to hear this, no amount of sinful living can exclude you from it if you earnestly repent and believe and trust in Jesus. Okay, so you might be thinking, does this mean that I need to have my spidey senses constantly on alert, uh, keep my eyes peeled for opportunities to love people in this way, to be called a sheep? Again, yes and no. Uh, Yes, because as disciples, we are always to be in a posture of readiness. That's what the parables that have come before this mean. But no, because of the surprise we hear in the sheep's voice. Did you catch that? Verse 37. Then the righteous, the sheep, will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or in needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick in prison and go and visit you? Uh, These sheep, these righteous people on Jesus' right, uh, weren't going about giving food to to hungry people. And they weren't giving homeless people shelter and going to prisons in order to be looked as as righteous. In fact, they're completely surprised that any of their actions were even worth mentioning by our Lord. They're completely bewildered. When, Lord? When did we do these things for you? These are believers who are so moved, so moved by the love that Jesus has shown them. They just just can't help but love people in the same way that he did. It wasn't about checking their diary and thinking, oh, I've got a slot between 10 and 10.30 to, to feed a homeless person. Now, that's not a bad thing to do, but instead, as they came across someone in need, moved with compassion, they could not help but serve them in love. It wasn't about being on a rotor to care for a sick person. Again, not a bad thing. But instead, they heard of someone who was sick or in prison and moved with compassion. Their first instinct was to pray and then to book a donkey through Uber, and then to pop around and see them. This is why they were so surprised. Because what they were doing was, for them, everyday, simple, ordinary Christian discipleship in the way of Jesus Christ. But there was another reason they were surprised. Look back at verse 37. Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Jesus, by the power of God's Spirit, rose to new life and ascended to heaven over 2,000 years ago. How can Jesus be commending these sheep in the future for serving him 
How can King Jesus, the good shepherd, one day sort you and I into groups of sheep and goats based on this criteria when he's been ruling in heaven for the last 2,000 years? How do we have opportunities to serve Jesus himself to face judgment this way? Look again at verse 40. Jesus says, such a tender thing. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Just just pause here for a moment. Here we're in the middle of this, this grand Daniel 7 type vision of Jesus at the Perusia, his second coming. Jesus, the king of the whole universe, uh, with all power and authority, with his glorious throne and all the angels, not, not, not some of the angels, all the angels around him. All power and glory and splendor and majesty, King Jesus. And yet, and yet, our glorious King completely, indistinguishably, identifies himself with the least of these. I don't know what you're feeling here today. I don't know how broken you feel. I don't know what situations you found yourself in this morning. I don't know your heartaches. I don't know your state of your marriage. I don't know your struggles with mental health. I don't know the pressures that you feel. I don't know the rejection you face each day. I don't know the disease and illnesses that are ravaging your body. I don't know your fears and anxieties. I don't know how weak and insignificant you feel. I don't know any of these things. But Jesus does. And if you love him, if he is your Lord and King, he says that anybody who looks upon your face However you are feeling that day, whatever position you find yourself in, when they look upon your face, they are looking upon the face of Jesus himself. Because he is inside you by his spirit. You are one with him and he is one with you. Our King Jesus thinks nothing of leaving the glory and splendor and adoration of the angels in heaven to lie naked, raw and wriggling in a manger of wood as a baby. To live a life with all the ups and downs, pains and heartaches that we experience every day here on earth. To end his earthly ministry hanging raw, naked and wriggling on a cross of wood, all to make us one with him and his Father by his Spirit. If you belong to him, he's not ashamed of you. He is proud to call you his brother and sister. And when someone rejects you, They are rejecting Jesus himself. And they will one day be judged for that. 
when we reject the least of these, when we think of ourselves better than the lowliest of the lowly, when we choose to associate with certain people and not others, Jesus, the Lord and King of the universe says that we are rejecting him personally. And that rejection can identify us as a goat if we don't change our ways. Because Jesus' sheep don't act this way. And we will deserve his judgment for it. So you may be thinking now, Anil, what has any of this got to do with creation care? Well, brothers and sisters, that's quite simple. And that's probably quite a good thing because I'm nearing the end of my time. Just before my sermon, we watched that video, didn't we, from Norman Molina in Honduras. Our brother, Norman, told us how the effects of climate change are making people in his country poor and hungry, how whole communities have been wiped out, how something as life-giving as rain brings fear, how hundreds of thousands of people have been left homeless. My gosh, it was... It was heartbreaking when I first heard it, when he said, we in Central America do not contribute much to climate change, but we are affected the most by it. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. Last week, Andy Atkins shared how an unprecedented heat wave in Europe in 2003, as a direct result of climate change, led to the death of 40,000 people in Europe through heat stress. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. A, a 2019 article reported that roughly two-thirds of the UK's plastic waste was sent overseas, with the Malaysian environment minister quoted saying that they will not be a dumping ground for the world. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. There is much I could say, and we could all give countless examples, but... The main point is that the way we decide to live has an effect on the people in the rest of the world, some of whom are our brothers and sisters, all of whom are our neighbours. Our actions in the UK are bringing hunger, thirst, homelessness, nakedness, sickness to some of the poorest people around the world, the least of these, as Jesus calls them. And I believe that one day, when I stand before my shepherd, King Jesus, he will ask me personally why I continued to act thoughtlessly towards the people he had made, the least of these. Jesus' sheep love their neighbor. Please bow your heads to pray. Father God, we gather before you today as people who are neglecting and harming the world around us and people who live in this world, a world you have made, both consciously and unconsciously. We are often so caught up in our ease of living, our constant consumption and our desire for more that we rarely give a second's thought to those along the life cycle or product cycle of our choices by your Spirit, soften our hearts and move our wills to act in alignment with your heart. We would not just pray your kingdom come, 
but that we would be those who help to display your kingdom's priorities into this broken world. By the power of your spirit, help us to love our neighbor, the least of these, scattered all over the world through acts of kindness and conscientious living and more. Father, this would take a miracle in our lives and we believe in you, the God of miracles. Thank you that your son, Jesus, is not ashamed of us, is not ashamed to be called our brother and, uh, to call us brothers and sisters. Thank you that your spirit lives inside of us, empowering us to do this and joining us with you. Challenge those of us who need to be challenged. Encourage those who need to be encouraged. Help us to love each other as you have loved us. And to live your kingdom's purposes in this world. Thank you, Father. Amen.